Praise the Lord. Give the Lord a hand of praise. Amen. Praise the Lord. Well, I'm excited, nervous, humbled, confident, a uh, little bit of mixed emotions uh, with everything right now. And uh, this is not the first time I've uh, spoken just to women, but still, when, when you speak just to women, sometimes, you know, it's a little bit different. You know, when, when you're sprinkled with men in there, it's a little bit easier, you know, but when it's just the whole enchilada with women, praise the Lord, amen. And uh, I have a message that I really believe God has destined for this night just for you here, and uh, I'm excited to be able to preach it uh, with you here tonight. Grab your Bibles with me, and thank you, worship team. You guys are awesome, great, all the way from uh, Merced, right? Merced, English, Spanish, both, all right. I'll take them both, Amen. Just as long as it worships God, doesn't matter what language you speak. And it's great to have them with us here tonight and um, just being a part of the family and our Victory Outreach family. Can I hear an amen? Tonight I want to share with you a portion of scripture that many of you have heard before, but I want to kind of bring it to you in a different light and prayerfully God will speak to you like he spoke to me in this portion of scripture. Do you have your Bibles? Open it up to Proverbs chapter 31. And I want to bring it to you a little bit different than maybe you've heard before. As you're turning there, I want to thank Sister Dana. This, I know this is her night and her team. Thank you for allowing me to come here on this night to be able to preach uh, to the women here, and then also, of course, my wife. This is she has been able to organize this whole thing and put it together. And, and believe me, when when we're there at home at night, she's always thinking of ways to. Man, how, what can I do? How can we do this? What are we doing? All, all. Trust me, more than you know. I want to disciple the women. What can I do with the women? How can we do that? And a lot of times, I have to tell her, Chella, just slow down, just calm down. Okay, all right, I will. And about 10 minutes later, okay, I came up with another idea. What about this? Chella, just let me watch this show. Okay. Okay, but after the show, I got, so I'm telling you, she has, she really, really does have a heart uh, for you to disciple, to work with you. And uh, that's what excites me as well. Believe me, I may be at that moment just trying to relax, but I know that her mind is going, her heart is going, and she really does have a heart to disciple the women here. And so I'm excited for these next coming months and these next coming years as well, what God is going to be doing within our women. Amen? Amen. So I'm thankful for that. I love her very much. And I'm going to be sharing a lot about it here tonight. Proverbs chapter 31. We're going to begin in verse 10. I know we focus a lot on one scripture, but you need to know that it's more than just one scripture. Proverbs chapter 31, verse 10. Do you have it? It says, a wife of noble character, she's lost, but we're going to find her. She is worth far more than rubies. Her husband has full confidence in her and lacks nothing of value. She brings him good, not harm, all 
the days of her life. She selects wool and flax and works with eager hands. She is like the merchant ships bringing her food from afar. She gets up while it is still dark. She provides food for her family and portions for her servant girls. Or in some of your translations, for her disciples. She considers a field and buys it. Out of her earnings, she plants a vineyard. She sets about her work vigorously. Her arms are strong for her tasks. She sees that her trading is profitable and her lamp does not go out at night. In her hand, she holds the distaff and grasps a spindle with her fingers. She opens her arms to the poor and extends her hands to the needy. When it snows, she has no fear for her household. Why? For all of them are clothed in scarlet. She makes coverings for her bed. She is clothed in fine linen and purple. Her husband is respected at the city gate where he takes his seat among the elders of the land. She makes linen garments and sells them and supplies the merchants with sashes. She is clothed with strength and dignity. She can laugh at the days to come. We're going to be talking about that. She speaks with wisdom and faithful instruction is on her tongue. She watches over her affairs of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. Her children arise and call her blessed. Her husband also, and he praises her. Many women do noble things, but you, you, you surpass them all. Charm is deceptive and beauty is fleeting, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Give her the reward she has earned and let her works bring her praise at the city gate. Father, remove me. Place your Holy Spirit behind this pulpit. Speak to these women, Lord God, like you spoke to me in a personal, intimate way, Jesus. I thank you and I praise you in your mighty name. And all together the women of God said, before you're seated, shake the lady's hand there next to you and tell them the to-do list. Now, I don't know if you've ever had someone that you've been around in an atmosphere or at an event, in an environment, and you've been looking for someone, and they were lost. Now, when I'm, what I mean by that is that when they were lost, you were also in an environment where other people had no idea who this person was. And when you go to them, let's just say I remember one time my uh, sister got lost at Disneyland. I don't know if you've ever been lost in a very big place like that. My sister got lost in Disneyland. And so whenever you go and you say, oh, have you seen my daughter? Have you seen? The first thing that someone says is they go, what do they look like? What do they look like? Here in this portion of scripture, it opens up in verse 10. And it's basically saying, what does a woman of noble character look like? What does she look like? So then all of a sudden, the writer begins to describe, okay, she, she has beauty is fleeting. Her, she has noble character. Her hands look like this. Her arms look like this. This is what she does in the morning. And then people go, oh, okay, so that's what she does. So whatever was missing all of a sudden is described in this portion of Scripture. This is what a virtuous woman looks like. Or even as the Bible calls it, a wife of noble character. Now, we're going to be talking a little bit about marriage here tonight. 
And I know some of the single ladies are like, well, I'm not married. Well, I want to tell you something. If you're looking to be married, you need to know what you're going to look like. See, a lot of times, a lot of single ladies, they go, well, when I get married, it'll be okay. I'll get it fi- I'll fix it then. I want to tell you right now, as a single woman, before I talk to the married women, because that's probably where I'm going to have the, the meat of the message, let me just talk to the single woman just real quick. Is that all right? Let me talk to the single ladies. Now, if you follow me on Facebook, even the other day, I, I made a little bit of a mention about it, about how there's a lot of, you know, single women. They have their own list. These women have their list. Oh, I want my man. I want him to look like this, have eyes like this, arms like this, a chest like this. And they have all this list of, oh, man, it looks like this. I want him to look like this. And they have everything set upon what he has to look like rather than what he has to act like. What I want to tell you, when it comes to marriage, looks are at the bottom of the list. And all the married women said amen. My friend, looks don't matter. And listen, single ladies, if you're out there saying, well, I want him to look like this. He has to have this skin color. I don't like that. I don't like this kind of guy. I don't want this kind of guy. I want this kind of guy. And it's funny. I even have cousins of my own. They're, you know, they're funny. They're not saved. And they make it very clear. Oh, I want, one, one of my cousins says, oh, I want a guy. I want a black guy. I want him to be black. And I'm like, what are you talking about? You don't even hang around him. I know, but I just want a black guy. And then I have another cousin. Oh, no, no, no. I want a white guy. I want, he has to be white. I'm like. And so what happens is, a lot of times, a lot of women, they put stipulations and they make a a list that he has to be like. And when in all reality, you're making this list and you're making the wrong list. That's the total wrong list that you should be making. Matter of fact, you shouldn't even be making a list. You should be getting lost in his list. See, that's what Proverbs chapter 31 is. It's a list that is a described of what God makes for a woman, what she should look like, not what she should be making. Oh, I want to make this guy. I want to have this guy. And it's a whole list when in all reality God says, no, 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 you're doing the wrong thing. I don't want you making a list, finding a guy. I want you getting lost in my list so a guy can find you. That's what it is. But a lot of times, especially within our culture, we have a lot of women that they think, oh, okay, this is what I have to do. And they try to put it all in these certain ways. Oh, I want them to look like this. I need them to act like this. I want them to like But in all reality, God says, no, 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 no. I have a list for you already. And if you get lost in this list, then don't worry about it. He'll find you. He'll find you. Can I hear an amen? So that was just for the single ladies right there. But now... For the married women, and for those of you that are single, this is still going to apply to you too. But as I was looking up and finding the the wife of noble character, it's funny that you read a lot of different perspectives on marriage and what people will find. There was a woman by the name of Rita Rudner. She said, I love being married. It's so great to find that one special person you want to annoy for the rest of your life. Raymond Hall said, all marriages are happy. It's the living together afterward that causes all the trouble. And George Shaw, he said, marriage is an alliance entered into by a man who can't sleep with the window shut and a woman who can't sleep with the window open. You got to find that balance. One person likes it like this. The other one likes it like that. 
Now, if you can, if you can remember back to when some of you got married, maybe some of you a little bit more recent than others. But a lot of times when it comes to the actual marriage ceremony or that day, you've always heard it said, and it's, you know, especially say, I, I remember when, when we got married, my, myself and my wife, we were getting married, and I was always getting advice, and they, they told me, don't worry, it's all about the bride. Right? That's not your day. Just show up. I had a lot of men even just tell me, just show up. All right, I think I could do that. And I've been involved, even myself, in a lot of weddings, been in them, uh, uh, performed different wedding ceremonies. And it's always been said, you know, it's all about the bride. And it is. You know, it's all about the bride. And even uh, when you're there, they, they, uh, before you even get there, they just say, it's all about the bride. It's about her. It's her special day. Let her do whatever she wants. Okay, all right. That's cool. And even in the ceremony itself, uh, the, the groom can come or the groom-to-be comes in and he stands right there. Everyone's sitting down because they don't really care for him. Everybody walks in, all the different wedding party. They all walk in and they just, all right, that's cool. They'll take a picture, maybe. But then all of a sudden, the music starts, the doors open, the woman in white walks in with someone who's going to give her away. And all of a sudden, everyone stands because now this is what it's all about. Pictures are being taken. People are like, oh, wow, it's be she's beautiful. The greatest moment of her life at that moment. She walks in. Matter of fact, even as the minister, we always tell the wedding party, saying, look, when she walks in, you stand that way. But when she walks up, you turn towards her. Because that moment, it's all about her. That day, it's all about her. And so when it comes to that, a lot of times we'll look at it and we'll go, it's all about the bride. Well, I want you to turn with me to Ephesians chapter 5. And there's a lot of portions of Scripture that talk about marriage. And there's many in particular, and I want to kind of look at this one. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 22. And we're going to look at this, but I want you to look at it with spiritual eyes. Verse 22. Do you have it? Wives, submit to your own husbands. Just right there. We'll just stop right there. Okay. Submit to your own husbands. That means you've got one. That's all you need. Let's just stick to that one. Just your own. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church. Okay, now stop right there. Here is a story where there is a picture with Christ being the groom. Now let's continue on. His body and is himself its savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, here we go again. Another portion of scripture where we're looking at and we're seeing marriage and submission but under Christ. It says, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. Here we go again. Christ and marriage. Christ loving. It says, and gave himself up for her that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word. So that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing. That she might be holy and without blemish. 
In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it just as Christ does the church. Here we go again. Because we are members of his body. Verse 31. Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound. And I am saying that it refers to Christ and the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. Now, here in this portion of Scripture, we read in the New Testament someone referring to the Old Testament. Referring that one will leave and cling and hold fast to now his wife. He's going to leave behind his mother and father. He's going to leave it all behind to hold on to now what is going to happen in his present and also within his future. But I want to share something with you here tonight that I pray is going to kind of uh, maybe strengthen your marriage. And strengthen you in a way that's prayerfully going to see that it's not all about you. See, in a wedding, it's all about you. It's all about the bride. It's all about her. Oh, man, face her. Look at her. Oh, man, she's beautiful. Look at her. But here we see something else. See, a lot of times we think in a marriage, it's all about what I want to do. It's all about what I want to accomplish. It's all about me. Now listen, the men are not here. The husbands are not here. So I'm not talking to them. I'm talking to the women. So for those of you that may think, man, he needs to tell the men this. Listen, I have men's discipleships and believe me, I tell the men. But the men aren't here. I'm talking to the women. And as I'm talking to the women, you need to know something here, ladies. It's not all about you. I know that you may think so. Oh, well, he needs to, he needs, it's all, why doesn't he, why doesn't he, why doesn't, no, 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 it's not about you. When you read the scriptures, there's a lot of times where you begin to see that it's not about the bride, it's about the bridegroom. It's about the groom. Now, I'm not saying it's about the man, I'm not saying about the husband at all. What I'm saying is that it's all about Christ. And if Christ is not the center of your marriage, then my friend, your marriage is on a rocky road. Matter of fact, according to Scripture, your marriage is on a sandy foundation. It's built on sand. My friend, Christ needs to be the center of your marriage. See, we are living in a culture where we look at it has to be all about my needs, my way, my thinking, my happenings. But actually, according to Scripture, Christ must be the center of it all. Did you know that marriage was never intended for your enjoyment? Did you know that? It was never intended to please you. Marriage was never intended just for sex. Marriage was never intended just to meet all your needs. Did you know that? That's not what marriage was ever for. See, a lot of times we think, okay, now I got a man, now I'm secure. My friend, if your security is in that man and that man alone, your marriage is in for a rough time. It's in for a very rough time. Matter of fact, even non-believers must understand that the marriage, uh, uh, the law of marriage is always built upon the law of God. 
All of it. It always has been. It's always been Christ-centered. And this is something that you and I must realize is that Christ must be the center. Marriage was never intended just to meet our needs. You know what marriage was always made for? Marriage was always made to show you what the picture of a bride and a groom looks like. That's what it was always made for. See, because you and I, we have a relationship. You and your husband, you have a relationship. But that relationship was always made, according to Scripture, was always made so that you can really see what it looks like when Jesus talks about his bride. That's what it was always made for. It was never made just to meet your needs and your needs alone. It was always made so that you can understand what it means when Christ says, you are my bride. You are the one that I want to take care of. You are the one that I love as Christ loved the church. That's what it was always intended for. But somehow, some way, we begin to flip it around and we say, oh, no, it's about me. He needs to meet my need. He may, listen, my friend, if your husband doesn't even have Christ the center, it's going to be a rocky road. But there's something different about a woman who has Christ the center. And we're going to be talking about that. Some of you, your husbands, they're not saved. I want to tell you something. You have more strength. Just you alone, you have more strength than you can think of even right now. You have more faith than you, than you know of. There's a lot of strength that's inside of you that God made for you to have. Not just for you, but for your whole household. See, the Bible calls it and says she is a virtuous woman. Somebody say virtuous. That word virtuous in the Hebrew is asheth shayil. Asheth shayil. You know what that word in the Hebrew means? It means Full of mental energy. Full of mental energy. Remember when Jesus was going around performing all these miracles? Remember that? He would just, he would just be walking and miracles would happen. Like he wouldn't even intend to do miracles. Just miracles would unintentionally happen. There's one story in particular where an unintentional miracle happened. And there was a bunch of people all around Jesus. And he's on his way to actually perform a miracle because he was asked, hey, can you come? My daughter, she's dead. Can you? Sure, I'll go. So the Bible says that Jesus is walking. And as he's walking, people are pressed all around. But then the Bible says that a woman went to the bottom of the bottom and grabbed a hold of just his cloak. That's all she did. She just touched his cloak. And the Bible says that Jesus stopped and says, who touched me? The power, in English, the power has left me. Well, in the Hebrew, it's asheshayal. The virtue has left me. The virtue has left. Something left. There is power. See, you as a woman have more power than you know. But the only way that you're really able to take and grab a hold of that is that you have to grab a hold of Christ. Christ must be the center of your power. Somebody say power. See, this virtuous woman has a, a strength and an energy not just for you, but for everyone around. That's why a lot of times you, you need to know that as women, you, you have a supernatural strength about you. You've heard many stories about it, about how a, a mom picks up a, a car, you know, a, a mom. You can do that, mom. You know, the mom does this, the wife does that. It's just, it's a supernatural strength. We really just, we can't explain it. Men... We like to explain it. That's why we work out. And then we wear small shirts so you can show it, you know. That's just the way men are. Men are just a bunch of macho men. We need help. 
But then that's also why Christ himself calls the, calls the woman or the wife the helpmate, because we do need help. So, because women, you have a supernatural strength that you just can't explain. But the only way it's, ex- it's explained is through her description. What does she look like? Oh, this is what she looks like. And the whole of Proverbs, of chapter, uh, of Proverbs 31 explains what she looks like. The Bible says that she's invaluable. Her price is far above rubies. In other words, no quantity of precious stones can be equal to her worth. Listen to me, ladies. You need to hear this and hear me out real, really loud and really clear. I know we live in a culture where we say, women, oh, we love diamonds. We love jewelry. Oh, the more jewelry I have, the more jewelry I obtain, oh, the more better I feel. Listen, you need to know this, ladies. You are worth more than what you wear on the outside. A lot of times we think, oh, man, if I just wear this diamond pendant, if I just get this diamond ring, then I'm going to be worth something. Listen, you need to know that you are worth more on the inside than what you put on on the outside. That's where your value comes from. The Bible says that she's worth more than rubies. Far more. A lot of times we have a lot of women, they find value in their clothes. They find value in what they wear. Listen, my friend, I don't care how expensive a clothes that you have. Unless the value that you have is on the inside, it doesn't matter what you wear on the outside. Your value must be in Christ and Christ alone. See, this description that we read about in Proverbs chapter 31 is a general outline that suits every age and even every nationality. And we're going to take a look at this just really quickly. And as we look at it, we see different descriptions. The Bible talks about how she's very careful to recommend herself to her husband's esteem and affection, knowing his mind and willing that he rule over her. Now some of you are like, wait, wait a second, hold, hold on, wait, wait. Oh, no man going to rule me. <laughs> did you know I did a study one time on men and women, and women naturally, look at this, women naturally have more leadership than men. True story, fact, science, whatever you want to call it, studies have shown. Women naturally have more leadership than men. It's the truth. I'll tell that to the men too. I know the men will be like, what? No way. But it's the truth. But that is why also the Bible talks about, okay, you're naturally more of a leader than him, but you still need to submit yourself to him. Why? Because we need to put that leadership, that strength, we need to put it under submission. Because if it's not under submission, it can get out of control. And I need to make sure that I have a woman who is under control. That can control her thoughts. That can control her eyes. That can control her tongue. You've naturally got it. But put yourself under submission. That is willing to allow the man to rule over her. Even though some of you, that's why I remember when you first got married, you're like, man, he's a child. He acts like a child. Why is he like it? What's wrong with him? I'm, I could do better. And naturally, you could do better. But you're not supposed to. You're actually supposed to do it together. Are you guys catching something here? That's what you're supposed to do. 
And that's why the Bible says, this is what she looks like. Oh, okay. I see what she, she is able to submit to her, to her husband. That's what she looks like. It also says that she can be trusted and she makes her constant business to do her husband good. In other words, the happiness of, in, uh, of, of her husband is not because of what she does. He finds happiness in her, not just because she does things. That's just naturally, that's where his happiness is at. That he will find happiness and joy in her. Not because of what she does. Listen, I know a lot of times that, you know, the, the women, okay, I got to do this. I got to do that. I got to do this and I got to do that. And so a lot of times it's natural. Okay, we want the man. You need to do this. You need to do that. You got to do this. You got to do that. You need to know this. I'm trying to give you some insight here into to the, the way of men's thinking. And it's actually scriptural. We don't find happiness necessarily in the things that we do. We find happiness in you. That's what we do. We find happiness in you. We find joy in you. Your husband's not going to tell you this, but I'm telling it to you. So, well, he don't tell. Well, I'm, I'm being honest with you. And it's scriptural. We find happiness in you. And who you are as a woman. And who you are as a wife. Even though your husband is not going to wake up every morning, okay, I'm going to find happiness in you today, honey. It's the truth. That a woman, when they look at her, they say, man, look at her husband. She finds happiness in her. Wow. So that's what a virtuous woman looks like. It also says that she is one that takes the pain in her duties and takes pleasure in them. Ooh. I didn't make this up. You can read it for yourself. She takes pain in her duties. You've heard it said before that women have an extra threshold of pain. You want to know the character of a person? Find how much pain they can take. Find how much pain they can take. The character of a person is always found in the pain they can take. And I want to tell you something. That's why a lot of times you'll see a lot of men, they're babies, right? They're babies. They just get hurt. Oh, God, my finger. My finger. And what do most women, women do? They look at them and go, yeah, get pregnant. <laughs> it's almost like there's, there's nothing we can say to that. There's not a thing that can beat that. Like, we can have the smallest, or we can even have like a broken leg. It's like all broken, like our legs hanging this way. And we're like, oh, God, we need help. And you look at us like, yeah, get pregnant, you know. There's nothing we can say to that because there's really nothing. Because God made you not just to take more pain than us, but also to take more pleasure in it than us. That there's just some things that we can't, we, we don't understand. The Bible calls it joy, but not just joy. It calls it joy unspeakable. In other words, I, I can't explain it. And there's many things that you go through as a woman, you can't explain it. You just, uh, you try to. And especially I know a lot of times you try to explain it to your husband and you're thinking, all right, your husband's going to be happy. But like, it just, he doesn't get it. Just, he doesn't get it. How come you don't get it, man? I'm so happy. Like, because there's just something about a woman that you have that we just don't understand. There's an extra special, a special strength that you have. There's an extra special pain tolerance that you have that we don't. We just don't have it. But you do. God made you that way. That's what a virtuous woman looks like. 
Also, the Bible talks about how she rises early. She applies herself to the business proper just for her, to the womanly business. She does what she needs to do with all her power. And also, the Bible says, she doesn't flirt. She doesn't flirt. She takes care of her heart. Now, some of you may say, well, I'm a married woman. I don't flirt. It's funny how the Bible in Matthew chapter 5, Jesus speaks to a man. And he says, but I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully, and you need to know this is because there was a lot of things going on at that time where a lot of, of Pharisees and teachers, they were doing good, but they were, or they were looking good, but they were doing bad behind the scenes. So that's when Jesus comes and says, look, okay, you know all this stuff that people can see? He goes, well, I'm going to talk about the things that you can't see. Even if you look at a woman lustfully, you've committed adultery. Whoa, okay, that was a little too bit too far, Jesus. Can't we just talk about actions? Don't talk about my thoughts. Don't be talking about my thoughts. Because that's why he says, even if he looks at a woman lustfully, he has already committed adultery within his heart. The heart is deceptive. It's wicked. Whether you know it or not, it's funny. But, you know, we talk about a lot about how men are very visual. And women, they're not as visual. They're a little bit different. But it's funny. I've been in the airport many a times. And I've seen a lot of women reading books. Because when it comes to reading and it comes to thoughts, that's why they say men have like 8,000 thoughts a day and women have like 68,000 thoughts a day. Don't quote me on that, but it's, you know, somewhere around there. I heard a teacher talking about it the other day. You guys have way more thoughts than we do. Way, 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 way more. But that's why certain books intrigue women because they love thoughts. They love reading. And I remember sitting inside uh, airports and I would see women reading these books. And they, you know, the, they have, a, a, you know, the man with his, you know, shirt half off and he's holding on to a woman like this, you know. These romantic novels. Because women love thoughts. They love the thought of it. So some of you may say, well, I don't flirt, but you may flirt in your thoughts. You got to be careful of these thoughts, these things that come in. Because you guys think way more than we do, so we may just have one or two or three Ugly thoughts, but if we've got three ugly thoughts, I'm pretty sure you got a few more ugly thoughts. I'm pretty sure you're not perfect just like the men are not perfect. you got to be careful of these thoughts. Be careful of these things that come in because Jesus made it very clear to the men. He says, even if you look at them, you've committed. Even if you've done this, you've committed adultery. Be careful of the thoughts. Be careful of the things. Guard your heart, the Bible says, because out of it are the issues of life. This is very important that you guard this heart. And so that's where the Bible talks about it here in Proverbs chapter 31, about what she looks like. She guards her heart. Also the Bible talks about in Proverbs chapter 31 is that she makes what she does turn to good account by careful management. See, many undo themselves by buying without considering whether they can afford it or not. The Bible says that she provides well for her house and she lays a foundation not just for the now but for the hereafter. 
I know some of you women, now I might be coming right down your alley right here. But do not, you need to be very careful, and on, maybe on a separate time, we'll talk about it. But you need to be very careful of those credit cards. Be very careful of those things. Because those things can mess, not just, l l listen to me, they won't just mess you up, they'll mess your household up. Because what you do with your finances is very important, not just to you, but to your children and your children's children. The hereafter. And for those of you that are even single right now where you think, well, I ain't got no kids. Listen, you need to learn how to manage money now before you even have kids. Because you may think, well, I don't have kids. I don't have to spend that much. Well, what do you spend it on now? Because if you don't have integrity now, you're not going to have integrity when you get married. That's just the way that it works. Oh, I'll have integrity. It'll, he'll provide for me. No, the Bible says that you provide for your family. You wake up early. You spend your time well. You're the one that manages not just for the now but for the hereafter. So the things that you're buying, the things that you're going after, you know those things that you look at and you go, man, I don't need it, but I want it. You know the things that are like, I don't really need it, but man, it would be great to have. Are you really looking at the things, not just for you, but for your family? See, there's a special strength that you have, and this is what a virtuous woman looks like. Now, you can make the decisions on your own. I'm just giving you the description of what a virtuous woman looks like. The Bible also says that she looks well to the ways of her household. That she, she may be able to oblige all to do their duty to God and to one another as well. She is intent upon giving. The Bible says not just giving, but she gives to the poor. And that she does it freely and cheerfully. The Bible says that it is more blessed to give than to receive. Now I'm going to probably rock your world on this one, but I don't care. I want to ask you a question. And I shared this the other day, but I didn't elaborate on it. But it's, I got all women here, so I'm going to get to elaborate. And I shared about shoes, right? I talked about it. Some of you women, you have a lot of shoes. All right, I'm not, not, you can do whatever you want. But the Bible talks about how she gives more. Have you given away more shoes than you've received? Mm, think about that. I know some of you don't want to hear it. I love my shoes. I love. The Bible says that she gives and she gives freely. And not just freely, but cheerfully. Are you more happy when somebody gives you shoes or are you more happy when you give shoes away? Because if you're more happy when people give you things, then you haven't really learned what blessings are. That's the truth. You haven't really learned what blessings are. See, we here, especially within an American culture, we have an American mindset that says, if somebody gives me, I'm blessed. When actually the Bible says, if you give away, you're actually blessed. That's what the Bible says. But our culture says, if you give to me, man, I, was I got blessed with a car. I got blessed with shoes. I got blessed with a, uh, somebody gave me this. Somebody gave me a certificate. Oh, man, I got, I got blessed. When actually the Bible says, if you give it away, you're actually more blessed. See, I know some of you right now, you probably may not like me, but read the Bible. Amen. This is something that, listen, I'm, I'm trying my best to really kind of 
restructure a little bit of the, the culture a lot of times that even evades not just our society as America, but even within the church. It comes into the church and we tend to think, oh man, it, it, God wants to provide just for me. Actually, you know what the Bible says? The Bible says that he wants to bless you so much that it overflows. In other words, enough that you can't contain it. So for those of you that are thinking, I just got blessed but your cup is only this much full, then you really ain't blessed yet. Because the, according to the Bible, when you get blessed, it overflows. And when it overflows, the people around you also get blessed as well. Are you hearing me here tonight? The blessings are not just for you, but it's it's for your household. It's for your husband. It's for your sister. It's for your mom. It's for your brother. It's for everybody that comes around you. Why? Because it overflows. And there's something special about a woman's overflow because it's just a little bit bigger. Your cup is just a little bit bigger than ours. I wish it wasn't. I wish it wasn't, but it is. You get more than we do. You get more blessed than we do. Why? Because you have an opportunity to give more than we do. We have an opportunity to give even more than we. It is more blessed to give than it is to receive. It's not saying that the Bible says if you receive, you're not blessed. No, you're still blessed. The Bible says it is more blessed. More. So you need to know that here tonight. The blessings that you receive, I'm good. I'm, man, I'm glad you got them. But the blessings are not just for you. They're for your household. And the Bible says that she gives away freely and not just freely, but cheerfully. Somebody say cheerfully. The Bible also says she is discreet and obliging. Every word that she says shows that she governs herself by the rules of wisdom. The law of love and kindness is written in the heart and it shows on the tongue. The law of love is writ uh, the law of love and kindness is written in her heart and it shows on her tongue. As you study the scriptures, you'll read even, I, I believe it's there in the book of 1 Timothy, that when Paul tells Timothy, he says, look, I'm trying to give you some wisdom here. Don't let no one despise you about your youth. Look, it, you got to do this. This is what I want you to do. And the Bible says that he's given him wisdom. And then you know what he also tells him? He says, look, be careful of the old wives' tales. As you study the scriptures, you'll find that that's where the term comes from. It doesn't come from a book. It comes from the Bible, Old Wives' Tales. Because in the church, there was a bunch of women making up stories. They were making stuff up. And they were bringing division within the church. They were making stuff up. The stuff that comes out of your tongue, don't think, oh, well, nobody's ever going to hear. You may think it's just whispering to one ear, but my friend, it's going into a lot of hearts. You got to be very careful of the things that come out of your tongue. And the Bible says, and it makes it very clear it says, man, her tongue is governed with wisdom. Are the things that come forth from your tongue, are they wisdom or are they just blabbering? Are they just things that sound good? Well, I know you, you, know, you didn't hear it from me, but let me just tell you this. Guess what I heard, but you didn't hear it from me. Is your tongue being governed by wisdom? Or is it just anything that comes into the ear will come out of that mouth? Well, I didn't say it. She said it. I'm just repeating what she said. And that, you know what that means when you say, I'm repeating what she said? You're basically saying, I have no filter of love and kindness in my heart. That's basically what you're saying. 
Because you as a woman, as a virtuous woman, this is what she looks like. The Bible says that she has a govern over her heart. There is a govern right here. And it looks at the stuff and it hears that some of the garbage you can't help, it just comes in. But your heart filters that garbage and says, no, this will not come to my children. This will not come to my family. This will not come into my household. And if it's definitely not coming to my house, then it ain't coming into the house of God. Why? Because I have a govern right here upon my heart. And this will not take place. I know you can say whatever you want to say, but I can also take in whatever I want to take in. And if I don't want to take that, then it's definitely not going to come out of this mouth. She governs it. And she governs it well. See, before we have a governor of a state of California, you first have a governor of your heart. And above all else, the Bible says that she fears the Lord. She fears the Lord. Listen, I pray here tonight that us... As a body of Christ, the bride, we are all the bride of Christ, but more in particular, that you as women, the bride, that you would be able to look and say, you know what, I want to get lost in the things of God. Even if you're married and you say, well, I already have a husband. Listen, I know that you have a husband, but you're always, 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 always changing. And always, 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 the love that you have that when you first married that husband, it's always still changing. Because some things that you love when you first got married, you don't love no more. And so if you think for a second, well, that same love, I'm going to keep, no, my friend, it's always being renewed. It's always being renewed. And a lot of times we think, well, if my husband did it, then I'll be able to do it. No, you actually have an extra special strength that we don't have. You have an extra special description that just we don't have. I wish we did. One thing I don't wish, you guys could take it. You guys have kids. Praise the Lord. You could keep that one in the name of Jesus. But I thank God for he, God made his creation all with a purpose and all with an intention that he made for a woman that she can bear children. How come the man can't? Why can't? God made it. Well, how come the man gets to do God made it. Why did the woman, why she? God made it. And when you understand the full creation of what God intended, you understand that the picture of marriage was never intended just for your enjoyment. It was always intended so that you can see what a true marriage is supposed to be like. That Christ, the bridegroom, is married to the church. That's what marriage looks like. That he loves his bride. And you... As a bride, a physical, literal bride, the description that is met there in Proverbs chapter 31, she rises early. Her arms, her hands do this. She makes this. She's able to bring this from afar. Her tongue, her heart, that's what she looks like. So for those of you that you may say, man, uh, my marriage, it's lost. Actually, it's not. It's found right there in the scriptures. If some of you, you might have felt like, man, I've lost something in my marriage. Don't find it in your husband. Because I'm going to tell you right now, you'll never find it. Man, I feel like we've just lost something. Okay, as a wife, get back to what God had originally intended for you. What does a wife look like? A wife of noble character. Get lost in his list. Get lost in his description. And I guarantee you, 
he'll find you. Guaranteed. It's a biblical foundation. Boom. That's what she looks like. This is what I'm looking for. I came here tonight because I really wanted within my heart to share this. What God put upon my heart for our women of our church and what God wants to do. Both for the single women but also for our married women. A lot of times we'll look at, we want to find marriage from an experienced Man or an experienced woman, an experienced couple. And there's nothing wrong with that. There's absolutely nothing wrong with that. You need guidance. You need wisdom. Uh, those who have been married a lot longer, they can definitely help you. But I want to tell you this. Experience will never beat the exhaustible truth. Never. I know you're trying to look for answers. Well, my marriage right now, we're going. It's on the rocks. I understand. Your marriage may be on the rocks, but what you need to do is you need to put yourself in the solid foundation of the rock. That's what you need. Get experience. Get wisdom. Get that. You need that. But never, ever go away from the description of what a wife really looks like. Your husband may not be perfect. Your husband probably is all messed up. Some of you here tonight... You're here in this church, and you're saved, and you're sanctified, but your husband's not. And you feel like, man, this marriage is never going to work. Oh, it'll work if you fit the description. It'll work. This is not just experience talking. I've only been married for seven years. What do I know? I don't know all that much. But one thing I can never get away with, I don't care if I'm seven years or 70 years married. I can never get away from this. And I want to tell you women, listen, don't get away from this. Single women, don't get away from this. This is what you need. The description of what a wife of noble character looks like. Your husband, he's not perfect. I know he's not. You know he's not. But you're not in marriage to look like a picture-perfect marriage. You're in that marriage to see what the picture looks like, what the perfect picture of Christ to the church looks like. You have the great opportunity to represent what the church looks like, the bride of Christ. That's what you are. This list that you have, forget all that other list. I want him to do this. I need him to do this. I want him to look like this. I want him to have like this. Listen, that list, it's, it's okay. But let that list, just let it be short. Let it be real short. I'm not even saying throw it away. Just let it be real short. Let it just say, I want a man that fears God. That's a pretty good quality to have. Well, he may not look big. He may not look strong. He may not even have a whole lot of money. I just want a man who fears God. Because if he fears God, he'll fear God in his finances. He'll fear God in his eyes. He'll fear God. In the pride that he'll fear, he'll fear, he'll fear God in his heart. That's all I want. I just want a man that fears God. Then if that list is short, you can look at it and say, okay, now I know what I need to look like. What Christ wants me to look like. His list, not yours. Stand with me here tonight. Tonight, believe me, I was 
last week, I was praying. I was praying hard. I said, God, please show me what you want me to speak with the women. Because when you speak to just women, sometimes it's a little bit different. But God spoke to me and just said, look, preach my word. Just share my word. Don't give your opinion, even though my opinion might come out every now and then. He says, just give my word. And so I want to challenge some of you women here tonight, both single and married, but especially the married. I know a lot of times we try to put a description on what we, I want my marriage to look like. I want my marriage to look like that guy on TV. Oh, like that woman on TV. I want their marriage. No, you don't. It's three months later, they ain't together no more. That's not what a picture-perfect marriage looks like. You need to know that. Don't let a TV, television, a person, uh, an identity, a celebrity tell you what marriage looks like. Because that's not what marriage is. Marriage has nothing to do with a 40,000, 50,000, 100,000, a million dollar wedding. We look at them on TV and we say, man, I wish my wedding was like that. Okay, but do you want your marriage like that? A wedding is one day. This was one time where we look at it and say, it's all about the bride. And actually, in all reality, marriage is all about the groom. It's all about the bridegroom. Let Jesus be the center of it all. If your husband's not perfect, good. But is Jesus the center? If you don't have a lot of money, it's okay. Is Jesus the center? If you do have a lot of money, that's fine. Is Jesus the center? Do you have everything you need? Do you not have everything? That's fine. But is Jesus the center of it all? Because if he is, then you'll look at that description and say, God, that's what I want to meet. With every head bowed and every eye closed here tonight. I don't know if you guys make altar calls here or not, but I want to give an opportunity right here, right now. And I want to pray with you as your pastor, as your leader, as the authoritative figure here in this church. And I want to pray for some of you wives that you say, you know what, I need Christ to be the center of my marriage. I need him to be the center of it all. Not my thinking, not what I read in magazines, not what my friends tell me, not what the gossipers put in my ear, not with my co-workers, not even what my family tells me. God, I want you to be the center of it all. And listen, here tonight, if there's any place where you can be honest and truthful, I believe it should be in the house of God. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, and you say, you know what, I want Christ to be the center of my marriage. Whether your marriage is on the rocks or whether it's not and everything is okay. But you say, you know what? I want Christ the center of my marriage. I want him the center of my thoughts. I don't want to be thinking scary thoughts and loose thoughts. I need my thoughts to be governed by God. I want Christ to be the governor of my heart. I want him to be the center of it all. I don't want to listen to the lies of the enemy telling me about my husband, how he ain't doing this and he's not doing that. God, I want you to be the center of it all. That you would be the center of my thoughts. That you would be the center of my heart. God, I don't want to be lied to about my children. God, I don't want the enemy to come in like a flood and try to overtake my children. God, I want you to run the reins of my life. You to run the reins of my household. With every head bowed and every eye closed, and listen, if that's you here, whether you've been saved for one year, 
or whether you've been married for 20, it doesn't matter if that's you. I want you to slip out of your seat right now. I want you to come to this altar. I want to pray with you right now. I want to believe God for your marriage. Or even if you're not married, I want to believe God for your future marriage. I want to believe God that he's going to do something great within your life, that he's going to do something great within your marriage here tonight. Come on, slip out of your seat right now, and we're going to pray. We're going to believe that God is going to do something great. He's going to do something great within our women. He's going to do something great within this ministry, each and every one of our lives, each and every one of the women that God has called him. He's separated you for his honor and for his glory.
right there. I want a prayer, pastoral prayer over your lives right now, over your marriages and also future marriages, over your current relationships and even over your past relationships. Just lift your hands. Father, I pray for each and every one of these special, called, ordained, purposeful women. Each and every one of them are powerful, great. They're specialized in your love. Lord, I pray that you would be with each and every one of the current marriages right now, Lord God. May they find favor in your sight. Not perfection, favor. As long as you're there, everything is together. Even when everything feels like chaos, as long as you're there, everything is together. Father, I pray right now for extra special strength, Lord God. There's a particular marriages, Lord God, that you know that you have a special bond with right now. Be with her. Give her strength beyond her education. Give her wisdom beyond her education. God, give her love beyond her experience. Fill her with joy and peace. Lord, that when she wakes up every morning, she knows that you are the center of it all. Bless her, Father, beyond her years. I thank you for these women that are here, Lord God. Lord, also be with the woman that is looking for a relationship, Lord God. She's looking for it. May she find it in you and you alone, Lord God, that you would be the center and that the man would also look in the center and that he would look, be looking at you, Father, he would find her. But Lord, let her get lost in that list. Let her get lost in that list. Lord, that her, her hands, whatever her hands find to do, May she do it with all her heart, all her mind, all her body, all her soul. Raise up strong, single women, Lord God, that love you more than they love entertainment. That they love you more than they love materials. That they love you more than they love the thought of being in love. Bless them right now. I thank you for what you're doing within our women. Raise up these women, Lord God. Raise up more women that love you with a passion, that have a zeal for you, that are addicted to the ministry, that want to do more for you, Lord God. And not more just in the ministry, but more at their house, more with their children, more with their sons, more with their daughters, more with their husbands, Lord God. That you've called them. That is their first ministry right there in their family, Lord God. Bless them, Lord Jesus. Bless them. Overflow, Lord God. Let there be an overflow, Lord God, that their husbands will be blessed, their sons will be blessed, their daughters will be blessed. Their moms, their sisters, their brothers, their aunts, their uncles will be blessed because you are filling them. Fill them with goodness. Fill them with kindness. Fill them with gentleness. Fill them with joy. Fill them with love. Fill them with hope. Fill them with peace, oh God. Lord, may they be filled and overflowing, Lord God. Let them overflow with the love and the call and the gifts that you've given them, Lord God. Bless them, I pray, Lord God, in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Yeah.